Hello, space fans. Welcome to a special edition of the Supercluster podcast. This is Robin C. Mangle, chief of content of Supercluster, and I'm here in Orlando, Florida, with my friend Emily Speck, the space reporter for WKMG here in Orlando. That would be clickorlando.com, right, Emily? That's our website. Um, <laughs> Emily Speck was kind enough to host us here at her studio today to record this podcast. <laughs> We're both preparing for a big launch on Monday. Emily, what is it? Well, we've got a, another Falcon Heavy launch. This is going to be the third and first nighttime launch. Right. So we're going to have the third Falcon Heavy launch from the Space Coast and the first nighttime launch. So I'm excited about that. This one is for the Department of Defense. Got some Air Force payloads. Got some NASA payloads, NOAA payloads, you name it. So everyone's flying on this mission, oh, yeah, just except you and I. Just yeah, everyone but we were us. not invited. Yeah. yeah, I think, like you said, the Air Force is facilitating mm-hmm. along with the DoD. It's a rideshare mm-hmm. mission. It's a Constellation mission. Yeah. It falls under so many categories. Even recently, we've figured out that a company called Celestis, mm-hmm. a space funeral slash memorial service provider, will be launching 152 cremated remains on board Falcon Heavy. It's a yeah. small vial. It's not your loved one's complete remains. Okay, it's it's like a small portion of it of them. in a okay. very small vial. So Celestis's company, they're launching 152 remains on this mission. They will be at the launch which is really interesting. Something about the culture around Falcon Heavy. Emily and I covered the very first one and it was a mad madhouse at Kennedy Space Center. Yeah, it was really it was really exciting. Yeah. It was very very cool to see. I think a little different this time around. There's so many companies and organizations and partner launchers going up on this mission that Cape Canaveral has just become one giant press site. Yeah, yeah, it has. And it's definitely, I know we've talked about this before, it's changed a lot in the years since we've first started covering um, not only SpaceX, but spaceflight in general. It felt like a kind of a small club of the same faces and same people, people, right? but it, it has really expanded. And Falcon Heavy, I think, was the first that was... February 2018, right. the first launch, that seemed kind of like the first really big press event that, since that shuttle. we covered. Yeah, since shuttle. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it definitely wasn't as many no. as, as shuttle, but it was, it was, it nearly, was a lot more people. Yeah, yeah, and I would say that I had talked to NASA before the Falcon Heavy mission mm-hmm. just to ask them how many reporters used to show up for the final shuttle missions. They would say around five. 600, which is a lot. That is a lot. I think for Falcon Heavy, the final number was just under 400, which is pretty good. Just recalling my experience from that mission, it was a long one, a stressful one to work as a journalist. There was a lot of confusion before the mission about the Roadster and, and, you know, Elon Musk tweets, of course, cause a lot of confusion. But it, for the mission, I had asked Emily (laughs) if I could join her on the roof of is it the CBS? It's, it's the CBS, CBS building. building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was generous enough to allow me to do so. I brought my friend Daniel up with me and we really, we worked and we watched the launch up there. Emily, if I remember correctly, I looked over to you during liftoff and you were just like, you had to smile on your face and you were reporting. And then I was also like giddy. Yeah, um, I think my mouth was probably open. Right, yeah. It was and exciting. then trying to find the boosters, the, the <laughs> right. double boosters coming back down for landing, which are viewed for a little context. So if you're looking from the CBS building at the Kennedy Space Center press site for 39A, you kind of look straight out and you have a straight shot to right. the launch pad and the rocket. And so that's a great view. But then, you know, Falcon Heavy, it has the, the three boosters and one lands at sea and two land on land and trying to follow the two boosters coming back 
back to land. It was dizzying. It's, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It was it was a little cloudy, if I remember right. And then they kind of come down and you see them between the clouds and the trees. And it's like, if you don't look and find them right in that exact you'll miss moment, it. you'll totally miss yeah. it. And I think I missed it. It was, you know, I was like, I don't, I, where am I looking? Where am I looking? And then all of a sudden it was the, we had like multiple sonic booms, which shook the building that Definitely, we were Definitely, we I felt on. that. I it, remember, it startled me. Yeah, it was, was like, oh. it was pretty startling. Growing up on the Space Center, I wouldn't say it's as loud as the shuttle return, right? But it was, it was pretty close, and so that was that kind of feel sound memory was pretty cool. It to was, have. it was new yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. I've never been at Kennedy for a, mm-hmm. a launch of that magnitude. Yeah. Were you live on air during the launch? I, my coworker Eric Von Aiken, I'm pretty sure that he was. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he was. That I'm, is quite a live shot to do. He and he is such a pro. He probably didn't even skip a beat and was so excited to be there too. So I was really excited to cover it with him because he's been covering space for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i pretty sure that his, as we were airing it on clickorlando.com and on News 6, his commentary was kind of going along with it, that's kind of amazing. describing what was happening. Right. So That's how yeah. people should experience launches yeah. live. And I it think that's why cool. webcasts are so mm-hmm. popular and personally. So I was shooting the launch from the roof along with you, mm-hmm. taking some photos. I had already written my article. I was reporting for Wired Magazine at the time. And I had been asked by KTLA in Los Angeles to be on the radio live (laughs) while launch was happening. And I was like, well, that can be a little difficult, but I'll try it. And it began as a great segment. I was on the phone saying, it's lifting off. It's so loud and the, the building's vibrating. And it was really exciting. And then... I lost signal because remember, at, whenever oh, launches go up at yeah. Kennedy, we all lose service. The cell signal, yeah, right. and it's and it's insane. And Wi-Fi in general is really bad because if you don't have a hotspot or yeah. something, and you're on that, you cannot <laughs> depend on NASA no, Wi-Fi. No, that guest Wi-Fi is not strong enough yeah. for the press. Right. <laughs> so the, um, the first Falcon Heavy launch, obviously, that was the first time a synchronized two Boost, boosters booster came landing. down. Yeah. Like Emily said, none of us knew where to look or where to see or <laughs> yeah. where it was. And there was a brief between the clouds and the tree line to capture those two boosters. Mm-hmm. I got lucky. I was just looking. KTLA called back my cell phone when there was service. And I answered it. And I said, the first thing I said was, I see the two boosters coming down. And I yeah. think I was like shrieking like a, like a <laughs> soprano singer or something. That's really cool. I and don't even think I realized at the time that that's what you were doing. Yeah, I was on the phone, camera in one hand, uh, phone in the other on the radio. And I was like, I see the boosters. And I was like being unprofessional. And yeah, I described it. I ran downstairs to process my photos because yeah. when you're doing, you know, Emily, I've seen you out there taking photos on the causeway. And oh video. my gosh. Yeah, it's like we're doing all the things. Everything. I'm like multitasking. You're a multimedia journalist. Yeah, I mean, I think we all are at this taking point. Taking photos, <laughs> taking video, writing a story, probably tweeting every few minutes. It's, <laughs> it's a it's a little exhausting, but it's fun. It's I mean, fun. It's, it's a really fun and exciting thing that not a lot of journalists get to experience. Right. So I'm gonna milk it for what it's <laughs> worth. Let's talk about logistics. Mm-hmm. So this is the first Falcon Heavy night launch, as you mentioned. Yeah. That. For a multimedia journalist, that's really different for us. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm horrible at taking photos at night. night. It's really hard to at Kennedy. If we have a haze, it's even worse. But it should be really cool to see five million pounds of thrust lifting off at night. It's going to be like a ball of fire. In terms of looking for the rockets coming back, I think you and I will be looking for two fireballs, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if it's clear enough, you should be able to see 
it's kind of like an aerial ballet. Like, I don't know how else to describe That's it. That's a good way to describe it. <clears throat> but when the boosters are coming back down and they make that turn, you know, they're reverse thrusting and they're coming back down, you can almost see, you have to follow almost the stream. Right. And of the... It's like a stream of clouds almost. Yeah, yeah. Like and they're line. coming down. Right. That's You might see that, which is much wider mm -hmm. than the booster itself. So I'm hoping that it's clear enough that we can kind of see that i mean it's happening you know our window is what we've got 11 30 to 3 30. it's a four hour window yeah that's a really long window which are you bringing food i'm bringing food <laughs> oh yeah all the snacks probably all the snacks probably a pub sub yeah we're gonna uh, need some coffee also <laughs> all the coffee for the last last fucking heavy went up in the beginning of the window the yeah. first one however mm -hmm. the when we were on top of that building yeah. That went in an hour in and then it another yeah. hour and then they finally launched. It was a little bit of waiting. Yeah. We were we were hoping that it wasn't gonna end in a scrub, but yeah. It happens. <laughs> it it does a lot. <laughs> so Emily, let's talk about there's twenty four payloads. <laughs> Obviously we can't talk about all of them. I think some of them are even classified, but <laughs> yeah. um NASA has this is the first NASA Falcon Heavy mission, which is pretty cool. NASA has shown an endorsement for SpaceX's reusability. They've mm -hmm. already flown on flight-proven rockets. NASA is taxpayer-funded, so we're saving money, which mm -hmm. is great, launching missions on these reusable Falcon 9 boosters. But Emily, can we talk about some, what, what are a couple of the payloads going up on, NASA payloads at least, going up on this yeah, mission? Yeah, sure. So a couple of them, the, the first one is, you know, everything has an acronym. Yes, <laughs> But um, the first one that I was kind of interested in with NASA, and this was developed through NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, <laughs> the Deep Space Atomic Clock, Ooh. which sounds pretty sci-fi. Sci yeah. yeah, it is It is a little bit of sci-fi. So atomic clocks are not necessarily a new thing. They have ground-based atomic clocks, but they're pretty big and bulky and heavy. This guy's pretty little, and it's going to be in space. And so it uses, it essentially uses mercury ions to measure time which mm -hmm. also sounds trippy but it's not a bunch of mercury so you don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about we're not gonna get poisoned no 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 nothing like that i think the the nasa analogy i said it was less than two cans of tuna okay of mercury so that's, that's not so bad that I think, can't be too bad i think right? that's okay <laughs> yeah if, if your cat can eat it and we can eat it it's not that bad <laughs> i read that uh, i think yeah. i read from a, a jpl release that mm -hmm. said that the clock was more accurate than any timepiece on earth yeah the like the time was it's one microsecond per decade so it's accurate down to one microsecond per decade That's amazing. which doesn't even to me that doesn't even compute as, yeah. as like a time that you you know you would ever think to be off so it's it's pretty cool because i mean there's a lot of benefits from this for future right. spaceflight missions. Right. They want to use it on future spacecrafts, hopefully. It's a little bit safer. It'll help radio science. So, Accuracy, yeah. no matter what you're doing in terms of spaceflight, any way you can make an instrument more accurate will always help the overall mission. For sure, that's and a huge benefit, yeah. But that mission is gonna last about a year. It's a test mission, basically. Okay. It's it's testing this technology, so mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, missions to, to Mars and, and to the moon and further on, we'll be able to use this technology to improve accuracy from it. and benefit. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. <clears throat> There's another payload on here that is supposed to help with space travel. Yeah, actually, these two that I were pretty interested in, the Green Propellant Infusion Mission, GPIM, there's mm -hmm. your other there's acronym. Your acronym. <laughs> um, yeah, that's another one that would definitely benefit future spacecrafts. So that was developed by NASA and Ball Aerospace. It's essentially what it sounds like. It's a green, more efficient propellant for spacecraft, which is a really big benefit because when you think about it, you send something out to space, you can't refuel that. Right. Maybe in the future. I know, I know there's 
lots of companies in technology that are looking into refueling spacecraft. I think there's an experiment on the space station right now about that. Right. That would be a huge benefit because once they run out of fuel, you know, we hear about all these missions ending that we love. I know, and like, it's because they're always out of fuel. Yeah, yeah, you know, like Don't Cassini, bring up Cassini. Yeah, oh, oh, Cassini, Emily. yeah, that's the one. Cry. But, it, you know, you always hear, it's like, well, they ran out of fuel. So yeah. developing a fuel that could be more efficient and also reducing the hazards with fueling a spacecraft. Environmentally are, friendly yeah, fuel. environmentally yes, friendly. That's what we need. NASA's trying to go green. So those are, those are two that could benefit future space exploration. So that's pretty exciting. It's really exciting mm-hmm. just to see NASA launching on and such a new vehicle too. Yeah. And uh, like we said, it's not only NASA. NOAA is partnering with Taiwan on a mission, the Air Force, the DOD. There's so many university experiments on here too. And if you want a full readout of that, you can visit supercluster.com slash launches. Our Falcon Heavy launch guide has every single payload listed out for you to check out. And of course, click Orlando.com. Find, find Emily's articles on the green. Are you covering the green propellant and the uh, yeah, atomic clock? Yeah, I got a breakdown that's going to post tonight. Awesome. So yeah, that'll be So up. it'll be up on the website. Yeah, click Orlando.com slash space. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the changes you and I have witnessed over the last years. And I want to go back a little bit in time here. Mm -hmm. My first mission was through NASA Social, which is a social media program NASA runs. Mm -hmm. Back then it wasn't popular and nobody knew about it. So I got selected a couple times. My first mission was CRS-5. This was when SpaceX had first started launching NASA missions to the space station. And nobody knew who SpaceX was. This was December 2014. They were barely known. I think there was 10 journalists in the pool. I showed up for the mission December 18th, and I think it scrubbed for six, five or six weeks into the new year. I think I ran out of money. I think I was already sleeping on people's couches. And I was writing TV reviews at the time. <laughs> but I, I, I stuck out the mission. That was my first SpaceX launch, or first launch in general. You were probably hooked. I was hooked immediately. Yeah, you were hooked. <laughs> um, but I stayed the five weeks or five, six weeks, mm-hmm. and I witnessed that NASA SpaceX mission. And just comparing the culture and the atmosphere from then till now, it's almost like there's a second renaissance going on around here. Do you see that? A little bit. Yeah, I, I do see that a little bit. I think that there's a lot more interest. There's more outlets sending people regularly. So true. Competition. Yeah, lots of competition. But I kind of welcome that. Me and too. I, I, I love also it. welcome seeing new faces, especially if it's a woman at the press site. Right. It's not very often that. Shout out to Chabeli, who's <laughs> yeah, new at yeah. the Orlando Sentinel. Well, not new anymore. She's been <laughs> no, there a while. Yeah, Chabeli and then, is, is new at the Orlando Sentinel. And I was so happy when she got hired. Emily, that was your old job back yeah. in the day. <laughs> So, yeah, no, that was really exciting to have her start. And yeah. Florida Today has a new fe- has right. two new female space reporters, actually. Antonia and uh, Rachel. And right. Rachel, right. yeah. And so that was exciting. And the last launch I covered, let's see, there was a Chicago Tribune reporter that was there. Incredible. And so that was exciting for me because, I, I mean, yeah. I, I tell this story sometimes, but it happened to be last time I was at the press site, but I was in the women's restroom. Oh, and I heard this. These guys, yes. And these guys came in and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, there's never usually women at the press site. women here. Yeah. And I was that's like, accurate. I was like yeah. that's true. I can't really yeah. fault you for that. And this restroom is probably cleaner. But no, not that not to knock on. Nobody is allowed to go into the bathrooms. women's restroom at Kennedy except yeah. women, if you're but, listening. So it, it will be just you know kind of for context if you're in a pool of reporters and photographers at the Kennedy Space Center press site it is like 95% dudes yeah <laughs> so it's yeah. a sausage trust yeah it's <laughs> yeah the, yeah that's true and it's kind of a little bit of my not my pet peeve but it's my 
not my mission. I don't know what to describe it, but it, I always try and remind people, you know, like women who are interested in reporting topics. I'm always like telling them, hey, you know, this is something you could pursue. And I don't look at it as like competitors. I look at it as we need more diversity in perspectives and storytelling. Absolutely. I think that really mm -hmm. does help tell a different side of these these stories. So now yeah. I think out of all the press pools mm -hmm. of all, you know, around the world or even in this country, I think the space reporters have a camaraderie that other people don't. Absolutely. And we are a very tight community. We're all friends and we all know each other. Yeah. We all help each other without, you oh. know, knowing if yeah, our bosses absolutely. care or not. <laughs> absolutely. Um, we work together on stuff uh, as evidence of this podcast. You know, yeah. Emily and I have been planning to collaborate on a, for a while. We've collaborated before on stuff. Yeah, no, we and, have. Absolutely. But um, mm. we all partner together. Um, yeah. You're friends with Brendan Byrne and e Emery Kelly and everyone down here, all the incredible local reporters mm -hmm. that work down here. Emery Kelly broke that dragon explosion story. Yeah. It was an incredible story. Yeah. And his and his photographer. Right. Craig happened. Bailey. Craig Bailey right. was the one who spotted that. So that was cool. I And I think that, you know, that's another thing that I'd like to point out is having local media covering mm -hmm. the Space Coast is so very it's important. So important. I wanted you know? to ask you yeah. about this mm -hmm. because when I'm here visiting, I, you know, I, I come down here all often. I'm <laughs> a launch freak. Come down here. I text Emily. I'm like, I want to hang out, Emily. But I come down here because launches are exciting. And I just want to know when I when I when I'm down here, I stay with my parents or I stay in a hotel and I watch local news. Mm -hmm. I always see robust, full space coverage. News 13, you guys, everybody yeah. else has re like almost popular science, <laughs> Wired Magazine level, CNN level space coverage. It's breaking stories, mm -hmm. in-depth analysis, interviews. Yeah. Now, this is something that I see newsrooms down here putting a lot of money behind, putting a lot of resources behind. Is it valuable to everyone here? Is it val valuable to you guys? Oh, absolutely. Our news director, Allison McGinley, she, I don't even remember, when I first started here, she said, you know, one of the reasons they hired me is space, is, space coverage is a priority. That's this really is, cool to hear. You don't hear that yeah, often. No, she, I mean, she has sent me on really cool trips to cover space. I mean, I drove across the country for the solar eclipse, which was crazy and you know just recently myself and reporter Eric Von Aiken and our photographer Jeff Seegers went to California for another space trip we're planning an entire day dedicated to space coverage That's for incredible. the Apollo 11 anniversary so it is a priority and and for a couple reasons it's our history in Central Florida it's very much part of our history on the space coast but even even over here I mean we have you know, a huge Lockheed Martin facility. We have, you know, it is just about great. every yeah. big space company has some kind a of headquarters here. or yeah. some some facility Absolutely. here. And a lot of the, you know, we cover Brevard County. We cover we cover nine counties actually, but a lot of workers in multiple counties work at the space center and commute. So, and when we're talking about we. We heavily covered, not when I was here, you know, this was a little before my time, but when, at the end of the space shuttle program, when that loss of jobs and the economy in on the Space Coast just, it fell off you know, cliff. it really did. Yeah. So to be able to cover that downfall and then to also be able to cover picking the pieces back up and building it to what it is today and what it will be is really important. So, yeah. And I think that the other local outlets also see that it's yeah. it's we're all very invested in, in seeing the space program succeed. The other thing is our news director, Allison, she always points out no other outlets can do this no. besides local media like right. no one else exactly. has the access we have like right. why would we ever pass up on a space story when we're right here <laughs> and so, i think it's, yeah. it's really important what all mm -hmm. of you are doing mm -hmm. i wanted to talk about our first mission um mm -hmm. which 
I told you I, uh, I did CRS5, but I wasn't a journalist. Right. But my first mission as a journalist was CRS7. And I believe, it correct was, me, if, it was yours. It was also okay. my first in-person mission. Um, we didn't know each other then. We didn't know each other then. Yeah, I was at the Orlando Sentinel then. And the space reporter who'd been there for decades, Scott Powers, mm -hmm. really great. I would consider him like an early mentor and he taught me everything I needed to know about being at the Space Center, about the press site. He was like, don't accept any food or gifts or anything. He told me exactly how to find my way there. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been lost without his guide you that he need, printed for me. You need someone me. to show you the ropes. Yeah, well, he was in Hawaii on vacation and so they said, okay, we'll send Emily. Shouldn't be a big deal. And I will- Regular old mission. And I want to point out that one of the business editors at the Sentinel before we went, he was like, well, we should go because you never know when one of these things is going to blow up. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what happened? It, it blew, blew up. up. Yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a cargo supply mission to the space station. It was really unfortunate because I thought that I was super, I'm sure like you, you thought you were super prepared. I was not prepared. You were not prepared. No, I was not prepared. I thought I was. I had, I thought no. I had my T's crossed, my I's dotted. Uh -huh. I had a story it was my ready first, to go. It was my first field assignment yeah, ever. Yeah. And <laughs> so. then essentially... I just had to start from scratch. And actually my current coworker here, Adrian Cutway, she was back in the newsroom and like helped me get my story online and mm -hmm. send it out. And I had, it was, it was crazy. So, yeah. you know, and I think Scott Powers, he ended up emailing me at the end of the day and he was like, oh, I'm just checking my email. Sorry, <laughs> you know, like, sorry, you covered for me and yeah. this is what happened. But no, that was, it was a good learning experience, but. I was gonna say, it's it was a learning a good, experience. Yeah, it was really unfortunate for SpaceX's team. I know, and, and NASA and it's anyone who works at the, at the Space Center. So yeah, that was, that was not a, a very good first opportunity, but it was a national story. Yeah, it was a national story. You know, my good friend and photographer, Red Huber, he oh, just Red. recently retired from the Sentinel. The like, legendary Red his, Huber. His photos got published in most of the Tribune papers mm. across the country. Yeah. So He's the he, best. Yeah, he is the best. And he also, I would, I would have to credit Red with any questions I ever had about. I would have to yeah. also. He's mm -hmm. been a, a mentor to this whole community, yeah, I would yeah. say. And uh, he's just... Incredible photographer. Look up Red Huber, uh, Orlando Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible. My perspective on that, I was less prepared than Emily was. <laughs> she was already working as a journalist. It was my fir first assignment, and it was for the New York Observer. It was basically going to be basic mission coverage, me writing about my experience at NASA as a journalist. We were all out there at the causeway. That was one of the first times, you know, I did a couple of socials, so I knew the atmosphere and I knew who was showing up to report on stuff. That was the first time I saw a wide variety mm -hmm. of journalists at the press site. So Russia Today was there mm -hmm. uh, from Russia. CNN sent a whole team. And there was a whole bunch of just like random national journalists covering CRS7. And it was so unfortunate that like for that particular mission where people showed up, mm -hmm. they showed up to see SpaceX blow yeah. up. Yeah. No, and, that's true. But yeah. I'm sure their news directors were pleased that oh, they were yeah. there yes. and <laughs> yeah, my, to cover it. Uh, my editor, Ryan Holiday, definitely <laughs> was. And in fact, that was my first field assignment. The editor-in-chief of the New York Observer, Ken Curson, who's probably in the Hamptons at Jaron Kushner's house or something, had to edit my article while at the Hamptons on summer vacation. And after that, that article blew up because yeah. it was, you know, a national story. Yeah, it was a national story. They greenlit my beat right, mm -hmm. at, right that same weekend. They were like, all right, we want you to just stay down there and continue covering. And so that's a couple of years ago now. You know, yeah. SpaceX has come such a long way. We had another incident 
Yeah. In between Amos 6, the Falcon 9 blew up on the pad and that set them back. So Sierra 7 set them back six months, mm-hmm. but they came back. And remember that? That was the first landing yeah, ever of a, a rocket. Big, yeah, that was a great return. Right. The, the, land, the booster landing, mm-hmm. that was a really big deal to see. <laughs> yes, that was the first time an orbital booster ever came back from a mission for a landing. Landed on ground. It was like one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. Yeah, it was straight out of science fiction. Did you? Were yeah. you out there? I was on the um, Banana River. I watched it with kind of like a group of tourists. Mm -hmm. The Banana River is pretty much parallel to Landing Zone 1 and 2. So you don't have the trees in the way like you do on the other side of the NASA Causeway at the press site. So that was pretty cool to see. And I mean... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. Back then, when SpaceX just used to blow up the, the booster on the barge, remember? It would just like right. crash and blow up. Landing was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Today, landings are regular. It's regular. And it's weird if they don't do it. It's weird yeah. if they don't do it. Yeah. They had like a whole fleet of boats, and one of the boats was called Mr. Steven. I saw your, now, your breaking story yeah. this morning, right? And now, <laughs> and now it's called Miss Tree because... There's a couple of reasons behind that, but they're trying to catch the fairings, which combined costs about $6 million. Right. So that's just another way to save money, reduce costs, and provide more access to space. So will they be attempting to catch the fairing I, for Falcon Heavy? I will, it's, it's usually I'm, not confirmed, so yeah, we don't know. I'm not, yeah. sh- I'm not sure, but you know, you should check out SpaceX Fleet Tracker. You probably yes, already do. One of um, my favorite tw- yeah, Twitter accounts. Gavin Cornwell, I spoke to him for that article I wrote about the name change because... I don't know about maritime tracking and I don't know about boat naming that is outside my boat area. Boat naming is a thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a thing and he was able to break it down for me. So it's pretty interesting and you're able to track the boats and kind of where they are. So I bet you he will give us some indication if the boat heads out, you know, around yeah. launch time. So yeah. And you should also follow Emily and I on Twitter. <laughs> Emily, what's your Twitter handle? It's at EMSpec. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so where, do, where are we going from here? I mean, Falcon Heavy is launching for its third time. Mm-hmm. It's going to become boring again. I'm quoting SpaceX here. Their success is measured by how boring rocket launches will eventually become. Landings are becoming really kind of regular, but they're still incredible to see up close and with your own eyes. There's going to be a twin booster landing right after launch <laughs> Monday night. Mm-hmm. They're going to land the core booster on the drone ship. Correct. So yeah. there was some confusion about where this drone ship would be early on. So the FCC license, which they have to file for transmission, you know, sending signals for landing and stuff, said that the drone ship was just going to be, you know, around a dozen or so miles off the coast mm-hmm. originally. Then that turned out to not be true and there was some confusion. But now the drone ship's going to be something like 1,200 kilometers downrange, yeah. super far, basically on the coast of Africa. Right. Yeah. Not it's really, going to be, but yeah. well, no, it's going to be really far out there yeah. for, for safety reasons, right? right. And because I believe that this launch is really going to test Falcon Heavy's capabilities to the max. Elon, so, uh, yeah. Elon Musk tweeted the other night that this is their most difficult mission yet, mm-hmm. which says something. 24 payloads is no joke. And mm-hmm. when you, it's not only from like, a payload perspective is the fact that you have 24 different customers or 24 payloads with a bunch of different customers right. who are going to hold you responsible yeah. for getting their payload to orbit. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk more about this collaboration between you know, NASA and SpaceX and just NASA and the private industry in general. Um, you and I have worked at Kennedy Space Center for a couple of years. We've gotten to do some amazing stuff. Emily and I hung out with the cast of Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah, that was That cool. was Janelle yeah, Monae yeah. and everyone. That was Pharrell was there. We had some great times. <laughs> yeah. 
the cast of The Martian showed up one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. We were hanging out. We had some, Emily and I have experienced some really awesome stuff at Kennedy. Yeah, we, we've, we've cool. also seen the facility grow. And what is the term they keep using? It's mul- multi-user yeah. spaceport. Yeah, so the Kennedy Space Center director, Bob Cabana, he usually points that out every time. And he's been saying that, you know, for years now. And so it's something that we've heard over and over. Right. But now we're actually really getting to we're see seeing it. it. Yeah. yeah, we're getting really, yeah, it's, it's coming to fruition because not only on the Space Center side, but on the Air Force side, they're leasing more launch pads. We have Firefly and Relativity Space. They have leased pads. So many uh, startups Blue, popping up. Yeah, Blue Origins um, pad is really coming, launch pad is really coming along for New Glenn. And then we've got more companies moving into Space Exploration Park. Did Boeing just announce that Boeing Space would be headquartered? Yeah, right at their... That's going to be at their Titusville facility. Okay. So, so it's outside, right? Yeah. It's Cape Area. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. But it's still the Space Coast. So it's, and it's, I want to mention yeah. uh, the, the company Rocket Crafters. They're actually doing an event right after the launch. Yeah. They're inviting journalists yeah, they in. Are. They're experimenting with 3D printed fuel and mm-hmm. they got a really nice DARPA contract to push that technology forward. Yeah. So, on the contrast of an established company right. launching their most heavy rocket, yeah. NASA, you have all these little startups that are popping up that are kind of like SpaceX year one. They, year I feel two. like, and when you ask, I mean, I got to meet a lot of the newer space companies out in California recently and their leadership. And they will, a lot of their employees are from SpaceX. They're from Blue Origin. They're from Boeing. They're from Lockheed Martin. They're from all these different companies. But a lot of them say, yeah, you know, SpaceX kind of led the way on this. And a then, lot of people cite yeah. them for breaking that, that barrier down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the inspiration alone from that company has started other companies. Right, absolutely. Um, which is an incredible thing. But like we said, Boeing, Sierra Nevada Corporation, United Launch Alliance, Lockheed Martin. There are so many companies out there employing so many people. That's another thing. Um, the Space Coast is having a renaissance, and that means jobs. That yeah. means tourism. That means business. I want to shout out the mm-hmm. team at the visitor complex, the Kennedy Space Center visitor complex. They do such an incredible job of bringing tourists to this area to yeah. Cape Canaveral. Yeah, they do a good job of hyping. Yeah, the- they're so great on social media mm-hmm. and just bringing all these like media outlets and, and entertainers to the the visitor complex. I used to think of the visitor complex as a very separate thing from Kennedy Space Center, but being there for a few years, they're very much combined and. Um, the way that the public engages with them and sees the history and sees Mm -hmm. what's going on there. But I do recommend going to the visitor complex whenever you can, especially if you're down for a launch. Yeah, it's definitely worth a visit. And if you're a local, even this, I think the season passes are pretty reasonable. I mean, compared to Disney Disney, or or whatever. But yeah, one of my coworkers recently went and she wrote an article on clickorlando.com about how she had never been to the visitor complex before, mm-hmm. and she called it the Disney World of Space. That's and a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, and she's, like she was like, I you it's know, amazing. can't believe I'd never been before. Mm-hmm. Her mind was just blown. She yeah. learned so much. It was very, very cool. If you only, you know, if you have a short amount of time and you're going there, the first thing um, the first thing I ran to was the Space Shuttle Atlantis. Yeah, the exhibit is amazing. It's, it's, it's really emotional. Yeah. They show you this video before, and it lifts up, and it, it reveals a shuttle. Yeah. And the Atlantis was sort of that iconic shuttle that closed the space program yeah. down. And well, a lot of the former space shuttle program workers worked on getting Atlantis in that building. Right, yes. So, Same group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool that they were mm-hmm. able to kind of see their baby mm-hmm. go on display. You know, it's also <laughs> having the space shuttle there at the Visitor Complex. It's sort of like a visual of how the... Space Coast is transforming, you know, the Atlantis is sort of 
the thing that capped that era, that the space shuttle capped that era of space mm -hmm. flight. And then, you know, you and I talked about early on that a couple of years ago, there was nothing going on at the press site, yeah. largely. And now we're experiencing the second renaissance. But you and I, you know, we follow what's coming up next. And there's a lot of exciting things. Personally, I'm excited to see where SpaceX is going with the Starship. They're quote unquote secretly building their Starship here at Cape. Not Everyone knows yeah. where it is. Everyone's taking photos. Some of our friends hired a helicopter and flew <laughs> over it. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see this multi-purpose vehicle evolve. I want us to go to Mars. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see Kennedy Space Center be part of human spaceflight. And commercial crew stuff is coming up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Commercial crew is, is going to be... It's going to be a really big deal. I mean, yeah. we, you know, have not launched humans from U.S. soil since 2011. And I think that that drained a little bit on yeah. just, you that know. had a big impact on right, that. Yeah, regular yeah. interest. People have trouble relating to things that are not like them, not human. So I think that's going to be a big deal. I mean, we're hoping that Boeing Starliner right now, it's looking like August, maybe September, according yeah. to some reports. Don't ever take yeah. any of these dates seriously. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing we've learned. Shift. Yeah, We obviously have to publish these dates. We do. We publish them on Twitter and our articles, but we always update. And then, yeah. you ha In order to know when humans will launch, you have to constantly follow Emily and I on Twitter. <laughs> that's it. And our friends. Or, and like a whole list of people. And yeah, NASA.gov and oh a bunch gosh. of other places. Yeah, it's, but it's crazy. We'll but keep then, you updated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we will. We will try. <laughs> Emily, let's do another podcast around commercial crew. Yeah. When that, that gets started up a million happens. years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, I can't thank you enough. And your team here. You guys are so wonderful. Uh, I, I thought my office was nice, but holy hell, this is beautiful. You're spoiled. I'm going to make well, fun of you from now on. Okay. <laughs> ClickOrlando.com has really great space coverage because of you and your team. I follow you on Twitter, not because we're friends. <laughs> and you guys should too. Emily, you guys have a podcast here. Uh, yeah, it's we do. called mm -hmm. the Florida Fourth Estate. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you guys should check that out. It's really fun. Yeah, it's got News 6 anchors, Ginger, <laughs> Ginger Gadsden and mm -hmm. Matt Austin. And they are... They are a ball. They talk about local news. They kind of make fun of Florida man a little bit. Um, Florida so, man. Yeah, he's always out there. So yeah, it's, it's a fun podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. And Emily and I are going to go back to being super busy planning <laughs> for this. This this nice little chat was a, a, a reprieve for us from our day. I'm heading to Cape now to start getting stuff together. Emily has a bunch of work to do to prep for this mission. But we thank you for joining us for this little break for this chat. We'll be back next week with some updates on Falcon Heavy. And we'll have Emily on again, hopefully soon. Yeah, anytime. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for having us here at the studio. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone.